Becoming a full-time writer can be overwhelming. Join Jay Thorne and Zach Bohannon as they help you improve your craft and find your audience so you too can become a career author. This is the Career Author Podcast. Hi, I'm Tara. And I'm Steph. And we're from Kobo Writing Life, Kobo's free, fast and easy self-publishing platform. KWL was built by authors for authors. And our team of dedicated book lovers is always working hard to help authors reach new readers around the world. With Kobo Writing Life, authors can now publish audiobooks and ebooks right in their KWL account. We don't ask for exclusivity, and you'll always control your pricing in up to 16 currencies. You can also create a pre-order for your audio and ebooks with no date limitations. We have a lot of great promotional opportunities for Kobo Writing Life authors available in the Promotions tab right in their KWL dashboard. If you're an author and you don't have access to the Promotions or Audiobooks tab, email us at writinglife@kobo.com and we'll get you sorted. We're all about providing excellent support. Create your free account today at kobo.com slash writinglife. If you want to learn more about Kobo Writing Life, check out our blog, podcast, and find us on social. Happy writing. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Career Author Podcast. This is Landmark Episode 144, and I'm Zach Bohannon, and with me every single week is Jay Thorne. What's up, dude? Hey, man. Give us the hockey update. Oh, well, I'm scared to do that because <laughs> it's this isn't going to air till Thursday, and who knows what it's going to look like then. Um, but as it stands, uh, my Dallas Stars could be on their way to the Stanley Cup final after tonight. So I'm, yeah, needless to say, I'm pretty excited today. Yeah. <laughs> First yeah. time in 20 years since we've been to the Cup. So if it happens. So, um, and the track record of like, Teams being up three and one is really good. It's and yeah, statistically, it's definitely in your favor. It, it's it's good, you know, and uh, but you know, in our last series, we were up three one, and Colorado came back and forced a game seven, and so like I'm, I'm, I'm I just I just want to get it done, <laughs> <laughs> and it's fun. I, I told you off the air. I don't think I mentioned it, but one of my best friends is a huge Tampa Bay Lightning fan, and they're up three one in their series too, and we, we of course had made we had always told each other like, hey, we're gonna if they go to the final, we're going to go to a game. Like we have to go or at least be in the same place. And we're like, well, that's not going to happen. This, this is going to be the year they go to the cup final and there's going to be no fans in the crowd. So we can't go. <laughs> so, but, uh, but I'm sure that he and I will be sending each other a lot of messages, assuming that happens. So, um, well, we won't jinx it or get ahead of ourselves, but, uh, as, as of the recording, it's looking pretty good for a, a final appearance. Yeah, they've got two shots before this airs. They have tonight and then Wednesday. So if this airs and it's that game seven will be on Friday. So uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. And ho- hopefully tonight I'm celebrating. But uh, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if Vegas snuck at least one more game out. So um, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I, it's been fun and uh, super exciting. Uh, and, and it's just been a fun little ride so far. So cool. Hopefully it continues. So how are you doing? Good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, kids are back at school for now. <laughs> uh, the, you know, they're, they're full on in person and doing all yeah. the precautions and everything they have to do. And, but I, you know, my, myself and the kids and the wife were all fully prepared to get the email that says, Oh, we've got an outbreak and we've got to do online for the next two weeks. It, it'll, it'll almost certainly happen at some point, but for now everyone's back and uh, I think that for the kids, like for their mental health, it was, it's a good thing. Um, it's been great for my daughter, yeah. man. Like it's been, 
And I was really worried going in. I was saying exactly what you were saying. Like, it's going to be two weeks. There's going to be an outbreak and that's done. But like, I don't feel that way anymore. Good. Like, I, I know that the way, like, I know with it getting colder and stuff, that could obviously change stuff. Like, but I feel pretty confident that it's, you know, they had like, and they've actually adjusted what their protocol is. So like they did have a thing where they had sent a bunch of kids home because one kid in the class, it was confirmed that he was around somebody that had it, but he was showing like, I mean, nothing. And so, and a bunch of parents were just like kind of, you know, complained about it. I've told you about this off air too, because Catherine was around somebody who was around somebody that had it. And it's like, dude, we are all the time when we're going to the grocery store and stuff. So like, anyways, they pulled that back a little bit and they were like, no, you have to like actually have symptoms, have a confirm or, or anyways, like I, because of what they're doing and the way they're handling it and stuff, I actually feel pretty confident that not a whole lot's going to happen. So, and I, the way that the distance learning has been at our school, I am so glad that we put Haley in school because everyone I know who's doing distance learning, it's a freaking nightmare. So like, and they're stressed beyond belief and like, it's just, I'm, I'm happy. We just, I can tell you, man, kindergartners, first graders, second graders are not built for online learning. That's just not, I mean, you make the best of the situation, but that is not an ideal. There's no way. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I feel pretty good about it. So, I mean, we'll see, um, we'll, we'll see what happens, but it's, it's, I'm glad to hear your kids are back and stuff. And, uh, cause I'm with you. I just think for, you know, for them, you and I both love routine and it's, that's a great routine to be in. They get, you know, so things are different obviously, but it's, I'm sure that your kids love it a lot more than just like sitting in front of the computer at home doing yeah. their work. Yeah. So, true. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yep. So, well today, um, we, I think I, we kind of talked about this in the show a couple weeks ago and I said, Oh, that could be like a topic. And we both made the joke. Well, we're not Joanna. So, it won't, you know, but, <laughs> but I figured like, this is something we hadn't really talked about, like in not like in a full topic. And I thought it'd be just interesting to have a discussion about technology and publishing, um, you know, and full transparency, like you and I don't follow the future stuff and all that super close. Um, but I also am kind of taking this in a different, some of the stuff that I was going to, that I figured we'd talk about is not necessarily just about like, it's not going to be a whole episode about AI and stuff. Cause yeah, you and I just aren't geared to do that, but just looking at um, some other different ways that technology has changed publishing and could change. I, it'll just, it'll make for a good discussion. Yeah, it, it will. It will. I, I adore Joanna. I love her. And, and I, she's incredibly uh, wickedly intelligent and on things, but we don't have some of the same interest and, and, uh, we'll get, we'll get into, I think when we get into the AI, I have some very different opinions on that. I do too. Yeah. And, um, my opinions have even changed even more since, uh, watching our, my hack for this week, <laughs> <laughs> which we'll talk about It's going to well, be hard so. for us not to blow that up into a full episode. I know. I saw your comment in here. I was like, yeah, we'll have to talk about maybe making it into a full episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we'll get to that here in a minute beforehand. We actually have quite a bit of housekeeping today. So let's see if we can just run through this. First thing is, uh, we just want to remind everybody that, uh, tickets for the career author summit 2021 are still available. Um, and, uh, this of course is taking place in Franklin, Tennessee, which is basically Nashville. It's right outside Nashville. Um, and it's going to be in September of next year. We have virtual and in-person options available, uh, if you're on the fence about which one you want to get, we encourage you to get the in-person one. Um, 
just because those are going to sell out faster and, you know, it's easier to pivot to the virtual one if you need to or whatever. So, um, we'll, we'll have, we have those available. There's a 10 month, it's 10 months, right? 10 it's, month it's payment 10 plan month on that. And yeah, and, yeah. And the event's almost a year from, from the airing of this episode. Yeah. So we're, uh, and, and so of course that 10 month plan at some point we won't be able to offer. So, um, definitely go check that out. You can go to the careerauthor.com and just click the little events tab at the top and you'll get all the information on that. It's going to be a really good event. We're confident it's going to happen. So, um, and uh, next thing, Jay, your call to action worked. <laughs> yeah, these are uh, more just some quick announcements I'll run yeah, through. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, thank you to everyone, uh, especially if you left a review for Three Story Method, because we did break the 100 review uh, plateau there. So thank you so much. It really means a lot. Uh, Absolutely. I, and I, and I, even the way Amazon has... Um, has the review set up now, you don't even have to leave a full review. You can just click a star. Uh, and I think that that really helps. But anyways, thank you so much. We hit 100. Uh, that was pretty cool to see. Um, yeah, absolutely. Also, a reminder that uh, the second batch, this is going to be four titles of the Nine Things Career Authors Don't Do series, is available now as you're listening to this. And uh, those titles are include uh, social media, um, which will... I think we're going to talk about a little bit about today. Uh, podcasting, um, a creative life on the road, like a digital nomad, and personal finance. So those are the four titles that are are new and out now. And if you want to get those, that's getbook.at slash nine things series. And as always, link will be in the show notes. Next uh, announcement is... Uh, the best of the best has now been published to Patreon. If you are a, a loyal listener to the podcast, you'll know that I found, uh, or my sister found, a cassette tape of me from when I was, uh, I don't know, less than 10 years old. And I call it my, my, my OG podcasting sizzle reel. Uh, so I, I, call, I cobbled that together, dedicated it to, to Chad. It's, it's only about three minutes long. I, I picked the best of the best. But if you want to hear a great sing-along rendition of Living on a Prayer, um, patrons, you, you got it. So <laughs> if you guys like that, <laughs> uh, and then, um, yeah, I think that's it for the, the announcements. I, I want to do a follow-up on a recommendation I made. This is the wild, wild tech podcast. Have you I'm really curious that? about this? Yeah, I haven't yet. I've thought like, I have it in my feed, but I just haven't gotten around to listen to it yet. And then I saw this, I was like, well, maybe I should wait. Yeah. And I, I really, I was on the fence about even mentioning this because we like to stay positive um, and, and make positive recommendations instead of negative ones. But it really kind of got under my skin. Like I love this podcast, but um, my gosh, the ads are nonstop. Mm. I mean, it's like watching broadcast TV. I, I swear there's an ad break like every three or four minutes and I just had to unsubscribe. Like it was just too much. So it's a great podcast. And if you, if you don't, if ads don't bother you, or you just roll through them by all means subscribe. But I just had to be completely transparent and say, I love the podcast, but I just couldn't, I couldn't take any more ads. So I had to unsubscribe from it. Uh, that's a bummer. Are the ads like, I mean, are they relevant? Like, are they, I mean, does it sound like stuff these guys are actually wanting to promote or well, some, some of them are, uh, some of them are the hosts talking about something, but a lot of them are just like, auto-filled um, ad roll, like from one of those services. So it's like you get these somewhat related, they're commercials. Like they're not even like endorsements. They're just like commercials. And it's, I don't know, it was kind of a downer. I, like I, I expected more from that. And, and I don't mind an ad here or there. I mean, we certainly have sponsorship, but 
I, I swear it was like every couple minutes it was like another ad break. I'm like, these are only these are only like thirty or forty minute episodes, and they're having like three or four ad breaks. That's what I love. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts is uh, the Minimalist. Those guys and um, I, they start off every episode saying, uh, "This podcast is brought to you by nobody because advertisements suck." And they have, <laughs> and of course, it, I know you and I have talked about this off air. They're the catch with them is that their podcast, they do two different podcasts every week and they have like a short one. And then they do a Patreon where if you want like a full episode, that's much longer, you have right. to pay for that. But like at the same time, I mean, I think that giving people the opportunity to choose, like if you really like what they're doing, you can support it and you don't have to have any ads on either feed, which is kind of yeah. cool. So, yeah. you know, but, uh, but yeah, advertisements definitely suck. So <laughs> I, I totally get that. So, um, you guys might remember this next guy I'm going to talk about because he used to work for our great sponsor, Kobo. Uh, I'm just joking. <laughs> I was about to just act like I was going to go into an ad, but he totally <laughs> did for sure. Uh, but I, I just want to mention this really quick. Um, uh, our buddy, Mark Leslie Lefave, we'll say, we'll put that in quotes uh, because he, he, I think he's doing this Kickstarter under Mark Leslie um, has a Kickstarter up right now. It's really cool. Um, basically just give you the gist of it. Uh, I, he was working with a, a publisher a few, a few years ago and was putting together an anthology um, that was all based around the theme of obsession. And um, for whatever reason, that publisher just dropped out of the project, was not able to do it, but all the stories and stuff were already written by all these authors. And I guess Mark was really passionate about the project. And, um, but he want, his whole goal was he's like, well, I want these authors to get paid. Like, I don't want to just put the anthology out and then them have to wait to get paid. I want them to get paid up front and I want them to make good money off this. So he has been personally putting money aside to be able to pay these authors, but he's also, um, come to the help with Kickstarter. And, um, so he's got a Kickstarter up and, uh, it's over 200% funded already, uh, there's some really good rewards. You and I both uh, have contributed. Um, and it's, I, I think this is a really cool project. I love Mark's spirit behind it. Again, he's wanting these authors to get paid for their work and he wants them to get paid fairly. Um, so like, I think we really can't complain about that. Right. So, uh, but I definitely would recommend checking that out. I ha we'll have the link in the show notes, but if you just typed in, a, I, I think when I, I just went to Kickstarter, typed in Mark Leslie and it came right up. Yeah. It's called the obsession. Yep. So go check that out. Like, I mean, I, I, I mean, in the, it's not super expensive to contribute. I mean, you and I, it was like 10 bucks. Um, the, the, uh, reward that we did, but they have even less than that you can do. And there's other rewards that are more expensive, just depend on what you want and how much support you want to give Mark. But Mark is awesome. He's done a lot for the publishing industry. Of course, he's with draft to digital now. Um, and, uh, and you know, one of our good buddies. So we just wanted to throw him a shout out here and talk about that. Yeah, so. absolutely. Go support it. It's a good thing. And uh, of course we have our ways and hack session, but before that, we want to remind everybody about patreon.com slash the crew author. I guess this is kind of an ad, um, for as little as a dollar a month, you could support our show and gain access to our two, our, our one month monthly bonus episode, as well as so much more. Um, you can become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash the crew author. Of course, we do our monthly Q&A every month, but we have a whole archive of movie and TV show analysis and Amazon product page makeovers. There's a lot of a dollar for a month. You have tons and tons and tons of content over there. And you can listen to uh, the best of the best by Jay Thorne as well. That's probably worth a dollar alone. Also, <laughs> so. um, 
But so for my hack this week, I have a recommendation we kind of hand out early in the show. Um, but this weekend, I guess it was a new documentary popped up on Netflix um, called The Social Dilemma. And I saw it and I was, it was like, obviously one of the first things recommended to me. I was like, oh, that's interesting. What this is about, and it's about social media and technology and artificial intelligence and, um, but specifically social media and the, um, the impact it is having on our society, on our mental health, all, every aspect of it. And just like what I've been preaching on the podcast. I mean, you do too, but I think I've been more vocal about it. Like it's been just the, the unforeseen harm that it's causing on our society. And I think the thing I loved that, that, that the, the movie said was that it's moving. This technology is moving faster than anything we've ever seen in our whole history of humanity. It's moving so fast that we are completely unable to see what the long-term effects are going to be. And it's, we're just now starting to see it. Um, like our people are really just starting to recognize what kind of effects it can have and stuff. So um, it was done really, really well. I mean, there's some cheesy stuff about the documentary, honestly, like the, the whole underlying story with the family and them going inside the kid's head. Like it was cool how they did it, but it's kind of cheesy a little bit. Yeah. I, um, I don't like the docudrama style, but I could look past that. It's okay. Like, I think there's instances where it's good, but in this instance, I, I tell you what the problem was. I didn't think it really led to anything that was really that great by the end of it. Um, I thought some of it was a little over dramatic, like the girl busting the canister and stuff. I was like, I don't think that would really happen. Like it was, I, I almost think that some of that stuff hurt the case a little bit, you know, of what they're trying to say. But if you get past all that, the overall message of the documentary, I mean, they're talking to, these high end executive people from these different companies like Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Google, like people who are former employees who worked to help come up with these algorithms and this artificial intelligence and how, you know, they talked to the guy who was in charge of monetizing Facebook, you know, and it's, it's really, really interesting and it's super eye opening, you know, and I, I tell you the other thing I love this documentary said was, because I have this discussion with my dad and my dad's response is always like, well, social media doesn't affect me. And, you know, I, I, I just don't look at it that way. I'm like, but someone in there made the point. It does affect you whether or not, because my dad and I will have other discussions about like, you know, oh, well, like the news is reporting this or like all this stuff is going on. Like, I can't believe this is going on because now I can't do this. It's like a lot of the misinformation being spread on social media is the reason for that. And you are being affected now, <laughs> you know, like, so you could say all day that you're not being affected by, it, but we all are, you know? Um, so it's definitely eye opening. It's, it's, it's great documentary and anyone who um, has any interest in what I've talked about with, you know, digital minimalism and just like psychology in general, I think to check it out. And you did, I'm guessing you watched it. Yeah. And I, I asked my kids and my wife to watch it and Joy kind of watched it. I asked my wife to watch it with me. Yeah, yeah Joy was kind of watching it while she was doing other stuff. She wasn't paying close attention. Was she on her phone? <laughs> <laughs> Facebook? <laughs> but uh, Brenda's like, yeah, social media is bad. I get it. And she didn't want to watch it. And I'm like, whatever. And Brady did. And and I think you, you mentioned it. What's really different about this is that it is, there are very candid interviews with former executives that built these things. You know, like you have the guy who who is now the head of Asana, who was 
co-invented the like button. You've got, um, you know, tr- tr- I think it was Tristan Harris, who is the yeah. who is the Google head of ethics. And these are all former executives, right? You had the, the guy who was the in charge of monetization of Facebook and then at Pinterest. And, and the, these are the guys that built this stuff. So it's not just like psychologists or worried parents or teachers complaining about social media and saying, you know, oh, it's, it's bad for kids the same way radio was and television and video games. It's a whole nother level. And it's, that's the power of this documentary is the fact that it's coming from the people who built these systems. And, and these people are, I think they're frightened. I, I, I think are. you can, you can sort of, you can interpret these interviews however you want. Um, but uh, they, they asked the guy, uh, the former uh, guy from Facebook, you know, what do you mo- most worry about? And he immediately said civil war. So like you said, whether you use social media or not, just because you don't use social media doesn't mean you don't have to worry about this stuff. You know, this guy is seeing how those algorithms and how the social media platforms are further dividing um, the country and the world, and and he's worried about civil war. So it, it you know it's it's a very sobering film, and and it's more than just like take the notifications off your phone. Although they talked about that too, um, yeah. it, it really is sort of like you know maybe it's time that we need to do more than just subtract the social media. Maybe it's maybe it's starting to get to the point now where active citizens need to actively start making change against it. That's that was sort of my takeaway. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's another part in there where they talked about how, um, you know, the, uh, the difference in information we get, because that's exactly what's happening. One person will get one set of information and one person gets a whole other. A Google search. Yeah. (laughs) Right. If you, their example was if you Google search climate change, the results you get are dependent on where you are geographically. What the fuck is that? Like that is, you talk about, you know, Get, that that's why people that's why we have we're in this situation where people are like well what's real what's what's a fact yeah. what's not a fact and they i mean it, it goes as recent as talking about coronavirus yes and and how all the misinformation spraying about that and you know you can walk around you know like you've got like the maskers and the anti-maskers and stuff and it's all that's affecting us and i'll tell you like i i question whether i should bring this up on the podcast but i'm not taking any kind of stance or anything but one thing I think that the documentary was beating around the bush on that it didn't want to that it didn't want to address was the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm. And I think that you looked at the kid and going to all the protests and stuff. I personally think that's part of what they were hinting at, but they didn't want to address it. But like, I guarantee you, a lot of that stuff is all being driven by social media and the difference in opinions on that. Like, yeah, and it's not hacking, right? Like there was another no. another guy that said the Russians aren't hacking Facebook. They're using, using the yeah. tools that are out there. Yeah. That's that is extremely frightening. Like we're not talking about rogue agents or subversive illegal activities. And and I'll tell you, man, I don't really use Facebook ads hardly ever. Um, and we sparingly use Amazon ads. I I'm having a real gut check on those. I, yeah. I really am. Like I I know that those are the the core foundational principles for a lot of authors who, uh, t- to sell books. But like. I don't know if I want to be feeding that machine like that, that you're kind of part of the problem because yeah. it, it really comes down to manipulation and maybe you're manipulating people for, for good, right? Like maybe you're, you're showing them books that are going to help them, but 
I have to think that everyone's using Facebook ads thinks that they're they're using them for good, right? Except maybe Russian Russian uh, agents in the election. But it's really got me thinking about that. I, I don't like ethically. I'm struggling with that right now. I, I'm moving forward. I just don't know. I don't know what role paid advertising, online paid advertising, pay per click is gonna is gonna make in in my business. I just don't know. Yeah, it's tough, man. It's uh. But it's it's definitely a it's definitely a really good documentary. It's very well done, um, and I it's it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix exclusive. They always knock it out of the park. Yeah, they do with the stuff they do. Um, I don't know if you saw. They have one coming up this week about the Challenger. Um, yeah, pretty interesting as well. Yeah. I think that might be like a docudrama. So you might be out on that one already. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, definitely check out the Social Dilemma. Uh, highly recommend from both of us because I I agree. Like people can passively say oh whatever it's just there's nothing we can do about this as part of our society now but w- w- we should stand back and question like what does it have to be up until 2009 it wasn't so this is yeah. not a given by any means yeah so and it, all the statistics uh, they had jonathan harrell on there who was talking about you know you look at suicide rates yeah. in teens and preteens and stuff and it's a direct line of, I think it's like two, 2009, 2009. Yeah. Uh, those numbers start spiking of anxiety, depression, yeah, suicide, tripling, rates. quadrupling. Like it, yeah, it's, it's the, and I'm as, as a parent to a six year old who is going to grow, like I'm, I'm literally like, I'm worried about it. I mean, I'm, I'm extremely worried about it. So, um, anyways, let's not hark on the same more. Otherwise this isn't going to turn in the whole episode. Like we talked about, <laughs> um, but yeah, let's uh, let's jump to the main topic, which again, we're just going to talk a little bit about technology and publishing. And um, I, I again, I do think some of the stuff we learned on the social dilemma or saw probably is going to affect this conversation. Yeah. To be honest with yeah, you, yeah, I think so. Um, but uh, but I, I just want us to have like a general conversation. Again, you and I, we're not experts on this topic or futures or anything, but um, you know, it's it's we've we've been able to see that some things change. And I think both you and I have opinions on what could change in the future and, and kind of what the publishing industry, where it's going, what it could possibly look like, um, you know, what kind of, and what kind of role technology can play in that. Because we've seen, like you look over the past, God, like how, I guess 10 years or so, like how much publishing's changed and it's insane. You know, I mean, it, with, you know, from the ebook to the self-publishing platforms, like it is completely turned the industry upside down. I mean, we're here because of it. You know, I think it's also important to recognize that you and I are not Luddites and, and, and we are yeah. not anti-technology. Uh, in fact, you know, we're, I, I think we're in an industry as, as independent publishers who are for, for many purposes on the cutting edge of technology. Like we're using technology in a way that the average person has no idea, let alone uh, publishers. So I think we're in a we're in a very small segment of a, a slice of a population that is very tech savvy and very comfortable using technology. But my personal stance right now, I'm highly skeptical about the future. I I don't have a, a big rosy outlook. I, I think I think there's some things that could r- drastically improve. I think technology is going to make a difference in certain industries and certain fields. But generally speaking, I. I don't just have the blanket optimism about it. I, I have some serious concerns. Let's talk about your concerns. <laughs> sounds like a therapy what you, session. What now. are you scared of? <laughs> no, we'll cut. We, we'll we'll hit these like one by one, and I'm sure some stuff will come up. But yeah, yeah I'm in the same boat, man. I mean, it's uh, it, you know, again, going back to the social dilemma. You know, uh, 
that Tristan Harris, you know, Tristan Harris was saying, you know, it's not like, it's not like all technology coming out is bad. I mean, like it's, it's pretty amazing. He brings up like Uber, you know, that you can be on your phone and within 30 seconds, you can have a car come pick you up. Like, that's awesome. That's great innovation. Yeah, exactly. But, like no one's yeah. getting eight notifications an hour from, from Photoshop or no one's repeatedly checking their word application on their computer. Like not, all, we're not talking about all technology. There's uh, the social uh, dilemma is talking more about social media as opposed to technology as a tool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is like, and they even talk about in there, like a tool is something sitting there waiting for you to use. And like, that's what, that's our side of technology. Like we use a lot of technology as a tool, but like what they're talking about is when it's using you, like when it's, it's trying to get your attention when you don't necessarily need it. That's not a tool, right? That's a distraction, (laughs) you know? So, um, but anyway, so like I kind of broke this down just to talk about some different things that we deal with um, as far as like, you know, just some overall uh, uh, topics here. So I want to start just with like writing in general. So, um, you know, because we can look at obviously, you know, um, like even just writing this change. I, I mean, you know, a, a great you we have great tools out here like Scrivener now, you know, um, and that uh, obviously allows you to, it, it makes it much easier to uh, organize and write a book. Like in my opinion, there's no like Scrivener's it. Like there's no software that's better for writing. And that's a tool, that's technology. Right. Um, you can even look at, there's a lot of other tools that, out there that like help you plot a book, like Plotter and stuff like that, which are really good. Autocrit and Pro Writing Aid, like, you know, um, yeah, like all, editing absolutely. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Those are great tools that have really, you know, helped technology. Um, now, one that really comes up though, that's interesting. And we've talked about this a little bit, but you know, there's this whole thing out there. And again, we're not experts on this, but there's a whole thing out there that, I think you brought this up a couple weeks ago on the show, actually, you know, that there's these artificial intelligence supercomputers out there being built where basically they'll be able to write a book. Like an AI will be able to write a legible novel that is, seems like a human wrote it. So like, I, I, like overall, like what is kind of your, do you have an opinion on that? I think you do. Cause I think you brought this up. A yeah. Bit. Well, let me ask you this. Do you have any doubt that in our lifetime, we are going to see a novel or an album or a book of poems written completely by AI that we can't distinguish? Do you believe that's that's going to happen in our lifetime? Probably. I do too. I, I, yeah. I, it's inevitable. I have, I have no doubt that at some point, and it's probably going to happen sooner than later based on, on the trajectory of, of the way technology evolves. I have no doubt that there's going to be a novel. And I, and I think what's going to happen is it's going to be a bestseller and no one's going to know it was AI. And then there's going to be this reveal, right? I, I fully expect that, that to happen. So my question is, why do, I don't care about AI. Why, that, it's inevitable. What, what can I do about it? There's absolutely yeah. nothing I can do about it. I think everyone recognizes that some form there's going to be AI created art, whether it's music or books or otherwise, and there's nothing we can do about it. So I, I have absolutely, I have zero interest in where AI is going in creation because I know where it's going to end up and it's, and it's inevitable that it's going to happen. So I just don't care. I, so I don't care either. Cause I'm, I'm in the same boat. Like I think it's going to happen 
here's where I do, here's the part of it that I do think is interesting. Are people consuming that media going to care? No, I don't, don't think, think they so? will. I, I, and I, and I think like we, we've seen that somewhat in music in that, uh, you know, computer generated music, even go, even going back to like the nineties and techno, right? You, you can, you can program music that's, that's technically not being performed by humans and people still enjoy it. So like, I, I, I don't, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's heresy. I don't think that's like, uh, you know, like you are, we are all going to consume art that was not made by humans. We're not going to know and people won't care and we're going to enjoy it. Like I, I, that's just a given. Yeah. So, I mean, like, all right. So I could see, how am I trying to ask this? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the music thing. So like I could see, and this is not a, like, I'm not putting down anyone's type of music they like by any means, but like I could see with like very commercial pop music where a lot of people, like most people I know who listen to that stuff are not super passionate about music. You know, they just listen to it because it's what's popular or whatever. There's nothing wrong with that, but I could see those people not caring as much. It's hard for me to imagine though, like an AI created rock band that people like, really really care about like people like you and i especially like i mean we're dying you know, off though what i mean we're gonna die off like we it, are yeah you're that's very you true know, yeah. like and and i and i think like it's just gonna mean that fewer people are gonna write books like if it gets to the point where ai is clogging up the amazon charts i'll just do something else or or i'll write books for myself like because we're, we're, you can't win that. You're not going to win that. It's like, yeah. here's an example. How many bookbinders do you know right now? People whose profession is bookbinding. How many do you know? Well, none. None, right? Because, because machines or AI uh, in this analogy, right? They, they do that. It doesn't mean bookbinders have gone away. There are still people who have a craft and they bind books, but it's, it's a very, very small percentage of people compared to what it was a hundred years ago or 500 years ago. So the, the occupation of author is going to go away. That's my prediction. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably not where you wanted to take this conversation. No, no, this is totally it. I'm just, I'm, I'm really just trying to process everything. Cause it's, it's just, it's hard to see that, but like, cause I'm just thinking about like, you know, but how passionate people get about like their favorite authors and stuff. But I guess there's nothing to say that they couldn't put a face behind that AI, you know, like I don't they, think you're going to know the difference. That's, that's, that's my point. Like, like you, you take, say, like take James Patterson or Stephen King or our JK Rowling, right? If, if they, had, if they have access to an AI machine, let's say they purchase licensing. Like, let's say it's a, a $50,000 license or $100,000 license to and they get their own private AI generated algorithm or software and they put their name on it and publish it. Are you going to know the difference? Yeah, probably not. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Man, so freaking crazy to think about. <laughs> no. Like it's just it's just so it's so crazy to think about, you know. And <clears throat> like I wonder if with that type of overwhelm if, if people would even like, like, I wonder if people would just get overwhelmed with even reading if that much stuff was coming out, you know, I, I don't know. Or maybe they wouldn't know the difference, you know, 
I, I guess we don't really know how many books are here on Amazon every day now when we're shopping. So yeah. Yeah. I wow. just like, I, I just think it's a, it's a situation you, you got to be realistic. And this is, this is why yeah. I said I'm, I'm pretty skeptical about where the future is for authors because people are always going to tell stories and, and a certain number of people are always going to write down the stories they tell. But that doesn't mean there's going to be the, the occupation of author in the future in the same way that there are occupations that are gone forever, that, that used to be that, you know, thousands or millions of people called themselves something. And because of technology and industry, they, those don't exist anymore. And I hate to say yeah. it, but I think that's where arts are going too. And it's so sad. It would be so sad to see arts go that way just because, you know, as humans, like we need to create, you know, and whether it's draw paintings or, you know, write a song or make a movie or write a book, like it would, I, I mean, what's going to make people, what's going to give people the inspiration to even create at that point? If I mean, I guess people still will as like hobbies and stuff, but like, maybe not. I, I think you know? that, I think the creation is going to be channeled just in different ways. You know, like you can be a creative computer coder, you can be a creative yeah. engineer, you can be a creative architect. Uh, but as far as being creative as an artist, I, I just think that's going to become more and more rare as time goes on. And it sucks that that's the case, you know. Um, I also put on here, like, um, I mean, do you think there's anything not being done now that can help, uh, like, uh, being done, that's not being done software that can help us create better stories? Like, put the AI thing aside. Like, is there you know, we, we mentioned like pro writing aid will help you, you know, edit your stuff and all that. Um, you know, we mentioned something like, uh, 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 plotter and stuff, but like, you know, I, I, the idea of like, you know, what if someone could create an algorithm? I hate to say this because of Jeff Elkins was just here, but like, you know, an algorithm or that helps you, you know, that checks your dialogue and makes your dialogue better or something that actually, you know, um, could run, you know, to make sure you have three story method and all your scenes and all that stuff. Like, you know, I'm thinking that kind of stuff. Is there anything like that that you think is not being done that could really I think, help us? I think that's going to be a gap in the evolution of the technology because w why would companies who are building these massive engines, why would they spend money on the middle step? Right. Yeah, like that's very true. You yeah. know, how, how many, uh, I'm, this is this is. I'm just gonna say it. Like, how many copies of of the dialogue algorithm is a company gonna sell to make it profitable? Like, how many? What's the market on that versus using that technology to create the art to sell commercially? Like, if you can use the technology to create an AI generated movie, or you can use it to build a tool for authors to make their dialogue better. It's a no-brainer, you know? It's a no-brainer. Well, I think for bigger companies, yes. But I think, like, I mean, we see a lot of tools pop up from, like, you know, small teams and individuals and stuff like that. You know, I mean, I don't think, like, like Scrivener wasn't, I don't think was created by, like, a huge corporate corporate team or anything like that, you know? I mean, so uh, same thing with, like, Pro Writing Aid. Like, I don't, I don't think that these are, we look at something like Book Funnel, you know, which is, like, one person, you know, which is a, a great tool. Um, well, like, here's I, another way to think about it. Like, yeah, let's but I agree with what you're saying yeah. at heart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's say there's a, a new AI tool that comes out and, and we're real, real close to this now. I mean, some of these services we're talking about already do something like this, like AutoCrit, for example, AutoCrit has scanned thousands of books, right? So yeah. let's take AutoCrit to the next level. Let's say 
there's a piece of software that um, has has consumed or been fed thousands of stories, millions of books, and it knows exactly what the structure is if you want to write a paranormal romance. Like, is that, I have no interest in using that type of tool. Like, yeah. is that like, as a storyteller, is, is that what you want? Like, are you doing a find replace on names? And then clicking out the story, like, yeah. like, and that goes what you were saying. Why wouldn't they just invest that towards having an AI yeah. use that structure? Yeah, and and if you can create, if you can create an AI that spits out a novel that's done, um, and it fit and it hits all the genres and it hits the tropes because it's been fed everything in that particular genre, like I have no interest in creating something like that. Like every five year old yeah. with a keyboard can do that. Like that's yeah. I don't know. It's all, it's a weird thing because it, on the surface, it sounds like these tools for storytelling are really going to make us better writers, but I think it's going to make us obsolete or it's going to take away the challenge to a point. And like, and I like, it's like, I'm torn like three story method, right? Like you can use three story method and you can apply that. Um, but like, but there's still so much else that, that yeah. isn't within the realm of storytelling. But if you get to the point where you can click a button and you're basically just creating your own character names and maybe changing the locations of your setting, like that's not storytelling to me. I, I just, I don't, I don't find any interest in that. Yeah. I think more what I was talking about was like, and again, I don't, I think this is irrelevant because why would someone make this half step thing would be like, if you could, run your chapter through a software that like checks to make sure that you have like a conflict choice and consequence and stuff that it can recognize those are in there. And if it doesn't, it'll catch it and be like, no, you, this scene isn't strong enough. Well, I thing. mean, yeah, that exists now. Right. Yeah. It, but the technology isn't going to stop. <laughs> yeah. Ex- right? You're right. Like yeah. if, if that was the, if that was the ceiling and we said, okay, this is, this is a tool, right? It's like, it's like a hammer. Like you, you can get a hammer and you can, you can be taught how to use a hammer and there's certain things you can do with a hammer, but, but that's different than having like printing out the, the thing you wanted to make and just signing your name to it. 3d printing, whatever you're going to build with a hammer. And now like, yeah, I I made this like, I don't know. Did you, (laughs) you know, is it really yours? Like if you, if you, if you click through this AI and you generate a story and you put your character's names in it, did you make it? Yeah, that's, that's oh, no. what, you're getting way up there. I, I, I know. Like I'm the, sorry, uh, man. I just, no, like, it's okay. It's a, it's no, it's all good. So it's making this conversation actually more interesting than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so, so you, you just talked about a little bit, um, uh, you know, technology is not going to stop. So, uh, on that, do you think that like moving on to how people actually consume media, um, like what, what's your, like, is there anything else they can do to the ebook itself? Like, and I'm talking more about like, I guess I'm specifically talking about like the readers, like a Kindle or a Kobo reader. Like, I mean, has technology stopped evolving on those? Like, have we made those as good as they can get? And I guess the other bigger question is, is, is that even going to matter? Because are they going to be relevant? I don't think it's going to matter. I, yeah. I, I fully expect in a very short amount of time, we are going to have pro- projection display devices. Uh, that you're not, you're not going to need a physical monitor. Like you'll be able to sit down in a coffee shop and turn on your whatever machine, tablet, computer, laptop, whatever you want to call it. And there's going to be a virtual display that pops up in front of you. I, I fully expect that'll happen. And, and that's going to be how people 
read as well. Like I don't, I don't think you're going to need a device. I, I don't think it's going to be device dependent. And I think that's right around the corner. Yeah. I think that's probably pretty close too. And, you know, um, and I don't know, like I, I, I think I'd be okay with that. <laughs> like per, per, personally, you know, um, you know, like I would like something more like that than I would, we all start reading on our phones just because of the glare and shit. But like you're saying, we're probably not even going to have phones. No, I think, I think phones as a device will, will disappear relatively soon as well. Uh, I like, like for me, I don't, it's not so much device dependent as it is behavioral dependent. So like, yeah, I prefer to consume stories by looking at the words not yeah. listening to it, not necessarily watching it, but looking at the words, the reading, right? But like what I read on, as long as it's not damaging my eyes, I don't care. I don't care if it's paper, yeah. e-ink, or projected device. I, that doesn't matter to me. Interesting. So this is kind of going off on our tangent, but like I wonder what, and maybe, you, maybe you've done enough research to know. I'm curious, like if we get rid of phones, like obviously people are going to still need internet access. They're still going to want to communicate. You, you need some kind of computer for that. So like, are we all going to get chips implanted? I, I in our think heads so. Or something? Yeah. You think so? Or I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the technology, the hardware is going to get to a, a point where it's either going to become a wearable. Uh, I mean, you look yeah. at, look at what the, the Apple watch can do already. Yeah. You know, it'll be a wearable or yeah, I think eventually you're talking implant and, and then like, then it begs the question, do you even need the display? a projected display like you might sit down and read a book and if you've got a chip like that book just goes to your your brain and now you've quote unquote we're getting into some black mirror shit well now. yeah I don't, <laughs> but i don't think but it's yeah. that far off i really don't like you know yeah yeah, yeah. it's crazy man it's gonna be <laughs> it, yeah because i because i do th I'm, I'm with you i think the projected screens are totally coming yep. and like That'll happen in our lifetime. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Google I mean, Glass is really, kind of really a false cool. start, but I, I don't think it's, yeah. I don't think it's that far behind. Yeah, but like going into a coffee shop and seeing someone work like on the table, like the screen is yes. right there. And, yeah, you know, I can't imagine not having a physical keyboard. Like, again, we'll die off. Like people will just get used to like typing on a table. Yeah, or whatever. But um, or maybe they won't type at all. Maybe you'll just think, and it'll yeah. show up on the page or something. But uh, yeah, it's it's it's. Yeah, that's definitely around. I think that'll be interesting walking in a coffee shop and just seeing people working like that will be really, really interesting. Um, so like, I, f I feel like that some of these, some of these questions and these prompts I put on here are just like, like you've taken this so like Sorry. deep and far that some of this shit is like totally irrelevant. Like, like I put our subscription services, the future, and we're sitting here talking <laughs> about fucking like implants, you know, it's like, what the hell does subscription services even mean? This is what I, this is just the stuff I think about when I'm alone and on my runs and like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you've been in quarantine way too I long. Have, yeah. Dude. I'm letting you guys inside my head. Jesus. God, <laughs> you know, but, I, but, but let, let's talk about it for a second though, for real. Like, I mean, I mean, we both agree and let's talk short term. So we're not getting too fucking okay. crazy with implants and stuff. Like, do you think there's going to come a time sooner than later where people are more people are subscribing to a service to read than they are buying individual books? Yeah. I think that's uh, short term. Everything is heading, to, heading to subscription yep. model, everything. And, uh, and, and, and really, you know, purchasing things, is, it's kind of a dated process, yeah. It really is like, it's not really necessary. Even the transition of paper money is, is very antiquated and totally unnecessary. 
Yeah, it's interesting. So like, you know, I follow the video game industry really close and there's this really interesting thing happened where the three, and I'm talking about in the console industry, the three big players are all doing, they all have completely different business models. So like Nintendo is really focused on their hardware and making it like, they like the portable aspect of being mobile and they have their big first party games that only you can play on their devices. So you have to buy their devices. Then you've got Sony who's doing the more traditional, like we're going to build a console that's going to be really powerful. We're going to have these great first party games and you're going to buy those games individually and that's how you're going to consume them. And then you've got Microsoft who is, um, you know, their whole can, their whole business model is trying to get people to subscribe to their Games Pass service, which you pay like 15 bucks a month and you get a whole library of games that you can download, stream, whatever. And they're and they're about to launch their X Cloud, which means you'll be able to play them on any device with that service. So your phone, your tablet, computer, you won't have to own an Xbox to play their games. And like even with their new console that's come out, their new Xbox, they're selling them. They have a two ninety nine model, which is dirt cheap, and you can spend, you can buy it just like a cell phone, where you pay like twenty five bucks a month for two years. You will own it eventually, but that comes with the Games Pass service because they want the subscription. And both Sony and Microsoft are also putting out digital only versions of their consoles this generation. So what that says to me is that this is the last console generation where there will be any physical media. I think after this, it's going to be all digital yep. and that places like GameStop and shit won't even exist. Yeah. Like that company is already going under anyway. So um, this is probably the last console generation that's going to have any physical media. And I think Microsoft, even though, I don't think they're going to win this console generation because Sony's going to have much better games, in my opinion, is really pushing that subscription model. And they don't want people to buy, to spend 60 bucks every couple months on one of their games. They want people to spend $15 every single month to stay on their service. <laughs> you know, they want, so it's just really interesting. And, and I say all that to say that, you know, you look at like, how many people do you know that really go out and buy CDs anymore? You know? Yeah, very few. Very few. I mean, it's like obviously vinyls still like kicking and stuff. And, but you know, most, and I don't know really that many people who go buy physical movies anymore. Um, and so, like, it's just you do the power of, you just look at that. And it's like, well, how can you assume that books aren't going to go the same way? Yeah. Books. You know? I mean, newspapers. Yeah. Yeah. There's still people that read newspapers and, and, and there will be for a while. And there will still be people who read, paper books for a while but eventually those will those will go away too yeah and the subscription model is totally going to take is going to take that over so in my opinion um i do want to touch we i don't want to run too long but i do kind of want to um uh touch on um maybe to kind of end on what i feel is something positive if we cannot get back to the ai discussion of making all artists irrelevant let's talk about i won't bring that up anymore let's talk about more short term and i want to talk about how like i feel that the and this is all because of technology how you know i feel like we right now we have more opportunities than we ever have like obviously you know you and we're able to publish our books and stuff but even gain across other mediums so um we keep seeing all these streaming services pop up they're streaming you know cbs has their own hbo just launched their own you've got netflix hulu amazon everyone has their own streaming services and with that, these companies are going to need more content. And I feel like that's a really big opportunity for us indies to, to 
to start seeing more indies like get their stuff made into movies and into television shows and stuff. I mean, what is kind of your thoughts on that? I agree. I don't know how long it'll last, but I, I do think we're in a golden age right now of independent uh, creativity. And it might be a short window. I, when I say short, I'm talking about in the span of, of yeah, all yeah. of humanity. Like it, it might be 20 or 30 years, but I, I do think we have a window right now where um, there's never been a higher demand, both from production companies and from consumers. And I think that's because we've lost the mass market and because you have people who only have Disney Plus or only have HBO Go or whatever it happens to be, and the market's more fragmented and therefore when you have exclusive content, you need more of it. So I, I do, I agree with you in that. I think um, right now is, is a great time to be an independent creator. Absolutely. And that exclusive content can really sway people. I mean, you and I always boast about Netflix and how they have great exclusive content. Um, <clears throat> I just saw that I could give two craps about CBS. Like I just don't care about it but they have a documentary coming out of like my favorite video game book console wars got it is getting adapted. Seth Rogen did it and it's going to be a CBS exclusive. So I'm like, man, I may have to get that for at least a month to watch this one thing, you know, I'll, I'll do it for the stand, which is coming out later this year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, stuff like that, you know? So it's like, um, and, and they're, you know, we've seen in movies like the same ideas getting rehashed over and over again. And I think that there's that's wearing on people and that these companies are seeing like, wow, these more original things. You know, we saw, you know, when Josh, when Bird Box happened, you know, like that was an original thing, you know, that, that and Netflix capitalized on that. We've seen th things like Stranger Things, like all these newer shows. And it's just not like, oh, let's reboot Ghostbusters or whatever, you know, which are, are you know, the new Bill and Ted movie just totally bombed, you know, like it's, uh, which is unfortunate, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I really think that, you know, it's, we have a better time than ever. And when you look at, you know, even on a smaller, you can even go on a smaller scale and look at like, you know, how much easier it is for independent filmmakers or, or whatever to make things now. You know, I, I know like you can make a recording studio in your house to make an album. Now you can do the same thing with movies. Like it's gotten very affordable and with places like YouTube and stuff, you could get your freaking movie adapted, but you know, work with like an independent filmmaker with a small crew and, and make something decent and watchable. If you had the right talent, you know, cause the technology is there. Yeah. So I just think there's a ton of opportunities out there, you know, to, to, to really see your work done in other mediums and to, you know, expand your business in the short term like you said probably probably 20 30 years something like that yeah that's so. i mean hopefully ho and, and hopefully we're right on that and hopefully it's not shorter <laughs> hopefully fucking ai you know but that ai but, that is not stopping man and that no. that technology is getting more advanced by the day and uh i i'm not too excited about it yeah i mean it's like i've kind of fought the whole thing with audiobooks which i realize I skipped over on here, but we've talked about that some, but like about how like having AI narrators and stuff, but, and I realize how ignorant that is like for me, I mean, it's gonna, it's coming, you know, yeah. and, and all, and especially after watching the social dilemma, I'm seeing that every single like, con like, um, concern I had about it as far as like, well, how would they figure this out? They're going to figure all of it out. Yeah. It's going to happen, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. I don't know if it's a good thing. I don't, I don't know if it's a good thing that any author will be able to just run their book through and get an audio book made instantly. I don't, right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't 
<laughs> I don't know. If that's I don't think it's either. necessarily a good thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, but we'll see. I guess. I mean, when we get to the singularity and we can't tell the difference between what's AI and what's human, I I've, uh, selfishly. I have uh, enough interest of human created art that I've enjoyed in my lifetime that I don't need anything new. And I know that's a really privileged yeah. place to be, but like I know ACDC is an AI generated. Yeah. I, I know Tolkien is an AI generated and like, I'll just go back to classics. I'll go back to things I know. Like I, I'm not interested in being entertained by a computer. I would be the same way. Like, I mean, it's, uh, I, I would just go back and, you know, there's, there's a lot of movies I haven't seen. There's a lot of video games I haven't played. There's a lot of, uh, books I haven't yeah, read that I mean, already could, exist. Yeah. Like, it's been the rest of your life reading great books yeah, so by real people. So I'm with you for us. It's not going to matter. So we're probably talking generations before it really is going to make, but, but again, they're just going to be raised like that. And they're unfortunately probably just not going to care. Yeah. You know? So, all right, my brain is mush. We got to get out of this conversation. Um, there's a few more things on here, but I'm done. So, uh, so, so, uh, what's a question we want to ask the audience this week, Jay? Uh, so, what do you think is going to be the next big innovation in publishing? Um, Don't bring up AI. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. But uh, yeah, uh, or, or, and and maybe what's the horizon on it? You know, like I think that's always a fun game to play too because. Um, some some things we think are so far out there are really right around the corner. Absolutely. So so you can answer that question over at thecareauthor.com. Just navigate to the episodes tab at the top, find episode number 144 and join the conversation with us there. And of course, you can consider joining us over at patreon.com slash thecareauthor, where for as little as $1 a month, um, you could support the show and you'll gain access to a bunch of great content. And uh, while you're over at thecareauthor.com, also check out our events tab again. We uh, Our world building events are sold out for next year, um, but you can still get tickets to the Career Author Summit. We're going to have a great lineup of speakers there. It's going to be awesome. All humans. All humans, no AI. So No deep um, fakes. No deep fakes. No, we're going <laughs> to... <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say anything. I, was, I, I had some ideas, but I'll keep them to myself. So anyways, uh, so check, check that out. We would love to have everyone here in Franklin, Tennessee, right outside Nashville. Um, so yeah, check that out. And uh, with that, we'll see you guys next week. See you later. <laughs>